Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 510. So build a good business, one that lets you enjoy, but make sure that your life comes first. Don't let that get out of the way. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Eric Danetz. Eric, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm absolutely ready to roll. All right. Great to have you here. Eric Danetz oversees U.S. print, digital sales, marketing, and live media at Fortune and Money at Time Incorporated. Prior to his current role, he was the Chief Revenue Officer at Defy Media, where he was in charge of U.S. sales, marketing, and strategy. Fortune and Money often cover the enormous and important automotive markets in business and the collector car hobby. Eric's an enormous automotive and watch enthusiast whose true passion is behind the wheel of a race car, and quite often you can find him on the track at Demand Motorsport. Eric, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little bit more about what you're up to, your career, and, of course, your passion for automobiles? You bet, Mark. Thank you very much. So it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, as you mentioned, I've been in the media business for a long time and had a lot of different roles. Mm -hmm. Since I was a little kid, automotive has been in my DNA. So when I was a little kid, my parents, they gave me a little fire engine used to pedal in it, and I used to name all the names of the cars in the street. So they thought either (laughs) something was wrong with me or that I had a future in the automotive business. As it turned out, my future has been somewhat aligned with that, but more so on the media space. And I've been very fortunate to be passionate about automotive and, and use that uh, in my role here at Fortune and, and building up our automotive coverage and our partnerships in the automotive space. Also, growing up uh, as the son of a, a teacher and a, and a government worker, I've always been very aspirational. So I've always worked hard towards uh, that next vehicle, and I've owned quite a few. Uh, and I've gotten to know some, know some great people in the business, which also helped me uh, on a social side, but also on the business side in, in meeting the right people, not only on the racetrack and in the dealerships, but also uh, on the business side. And finally, the solutions that are a part of that. So my business is about making sure that uh, the readers are happy with what they read and what they see, whether it's video, whether it's in the magazine or on our website or even an event. And those partnerships have been a lot of fun for me, especially when we bring in the likes of a BMW, a Mercedes, a Maserati, Ford, you name it. So uh, very exciting for me and 
um, I'm excited to be here today. Well, thank you. I know uh, you and I met last summer at a singer event Rob Dickinson put on. Deb Pollock introduced me to you and uh, remember talking with you and learning a little about what you're doing because I, I said, well, where do you work? And you said, and I go, well, then what are you doing here? And you were you were very, <laughs> I, maybe I wasn't so blunt, but uh, uh, you were very informative on telling me how involved uh, the publications that you work with are. And of course, nowadays with the media being so different than just magazines, it, it encompasses so many different things. It was really fun to get to know you at that event, and I'm glad you're finally here today, and we're going to learn a lot more about you and what you're doing on this journey here at Cars Yeah. But first, I always like to start my guests by asking for a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in your life and forming your success, and it's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. I know you love to drive, Eric, so take the wheel. Okay, well, there's a number of quotes, and I'm one who always quotes and uses analogies a lot, so I'll start off with one that kind of I, I live by, and I think it has a lot to do with whether you're on the track or whether you're on the track of life or in an actual track like Lime Rock or Monticello, mm-hmm. and it's, if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. Mm. So at the end of the day, uh, we all go out into the world, and uh, we want to learn. I mean, it's all about taking intellectual capital and, and giving yourself something to, to learn and then socialize. People always feel better in a social setting or in a business setting when you can actually contribute. And the reality is when you go out every day, you want to be challenged. And if you're not challenging yourself every day, you should ask yourself the question, what do I need to do that? Because you're not going to change yourself for the better unless you're coming across challenges that you have to make changes and, and pivot uh, on a daily basis in order to overcome. So that is uh, that is something I live by. And I can go, there's a couple others that I, I live by as well, and I wouldn't mind even giving you that. But yeah. I, it also comes, it comes down to people. So I respect people and treat others on how you want to be treated. That's a critical thing, especially in today's day and age. I manage a lot of people uh, in my role, and I'm working with a lot of young people, especially we call them millennials now. People in general want to work with people who are going to respect them, and when you give people respect, they give it to you in return. So that's very important, and that also aligns with surround yourself with people who have dreams, desire, and ambition because they're going to help you push for and realize your own. Have great people around you. Make sure that uh, you surround yourself with the best people, people who you either emulate or, or want to be like, right? At the end of the day, that will always lead into uh, you being a better person. Well, you hit on three excellent points for life and for business these days. I love every one of those. And the first one is really appropriate for what you do because the publications that you work at and you bring all this information, this new information for us to learn about vehicles. I know there's a lot more involved in the publications than just cars, but this is cars, yeah, so we'll stick to that point. But you bring all that new information for us so all those car people can learn more, be more educated. Uh, So if we're making a buying decision or just a, a lusting decision for some of us when we maybe can't go buy a brand new Lamborghini today, uh, you guys yep. certainly bring a lot to the plate, and we appreciate that. Would you take us back in time here and share a story that instigated your passion for cars? You talked about having that little fire truck that you pedal around in and identify all the cars, but is there a pivotal moment, maybe when you're a little older, that you realize, oh, my gosh, I'm a car guy? I mean, yeah, it did start when I was very young, and I would get in the car with my parents when I was young and always you know, ask them questions about what does what. I'd watch the pedals in the car. I was intrigued by the mechanics of the vehicle and what made it go. And uh, at the time, it was the early 70s. So sports, my father had an Impala. It wasn't a sports car, that's for sure. But 
I was always intrigued by vehicles and automotive in general, and I started once I was able to read magazines, the road and tracks, the motor trends, the automobiles of the world. Uh, that was something that I looked forward to in the mailbox every day. Ironically, I work right now in the largest publishing company in the world. Yeah, I but, know, isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's unbelievable. But for me, it came down to I always had a uh, an interest in automotive, but I remember when I was younger, and I believe it was the late 80s, Porsche sent me a, a picture of a 930 going down the road, and it was elevated. It had just gone over a peak, and it was going so fast that it had gotten lift off. On the uh, license plate was my last name. Yeah, it was a promotional that they did for a lot of people. There were thousands and tens of thousands of these that went out. Oh, and I yes, had, yes. Uh, yes, do you remember that? I, uh, I and, got one, too. Yes, and that was truly a pivotal moment for me because Porsche has been my mark. People ask me, a lot of people ask me on a daily basis. I was on the phone with a Volvo dealer earlier today about the XC90 and the R-Type and everything else, but the, the reality is people call me all the time about cars and they ask me, what is your favorite? And that car, the width of it, the whale tail, just everything about that, the, the iconic shape of the 911 really cemented me as an, and not only an automotive enthusiast, uh, but specifically a Porsche file, I should say. I remember that. I thought at first you were going to say it was that great poster they did, that campaign that was titled Kills Bugs Fast. I got that one, too. And yeah. that, was a, that was actually a 993 Turbo in Arena Red, which I've owned. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. So that poster actually is in frame and in my basement, along with a number of different uh, yeah. Porsche, Porsche, great. <laughs> they've always been very good on the advertising side. So oh, that yeah. was an iconic one, too. Yeah, they've done some awesome things. So, Eric, what I'd love to do now is look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood, get our hands a little dirty here, and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you've faced along the way in your career. But the most important part of this is how did you overcome it and what did it teach you so you could move forward? So I've faced a lot of challenges, both in business, the nature of what I do, and just life. So in a forum for business, typically you have a lot of creative ideas. I, I, we publish magazines. We have stories that we tell. Fortune's been around for 87 years, and as, a, as an example, and it's an iconic brand, the Fortune 500. Just what we do, we're an award-winning title. It's a brand that everybody knows. However, we've also had a cadence where we've published magazines, and hence that content has been on a monthly basis. The reality of our business now is more digital. Digital's cadence is much faster, whereas we would publish stories on a monthly basis, we now have to do multiple stories a day. Our editors, who have been here a long time, are also iconic, award-winning, amazing individuals. They don't necessarily believe that. They've built their careers on those deep, deep stories that take months in order to publish and to turn them into digital publishing uh, executives uh, is a very difficult thing. So instead of going uh, against them and saying, you're going to do this or you're going to be fired, it's more along the lines of taking the emotion out and give them, let them know that you guys are incredible, you're wonderful, I'm honored to be a part of this organization. But in order for this organization to exist going forward, we will have to pivot and change what we do, not taking away what we've done well, but do the things that we haven't done well and do those better. And that is changing the cadence of content and making sure you do it forward. That is moving a Titanic. So the reality of that is we have done that, and we launched Fortune.com a year and 10 months ago. We had been digital before that with CNN Money. We were part of Time Warner. But in launching that a year and 10 months ago, we now have 20 million unique users a month coming to Fortune.com. Our revenues are 
very good and strong in terms of what we're doing there. And so the, the key performance indicators for the growth of our digital business have been very strong, and they're now seeing that. And we're allowing them to have their own brands within the digital ecosystem, which is historically they've always identified themselves as fortune editors, and now they can be editors who also publish socially and in different places. So it's important to really lay out what the opportunity is as opposed to dictating what they have to do. You said that so well, and I'm a guy sitting here who's in my uh, mid-50s, I'll say, and Mm -hmm. I get probably 40 car magazines a month here. And I have two children, a 22-year-old and a 27-year-old, and they were home for Christmas, and they both looked at these stacks on my desk of magazines, and they said, Dad, why do you still get magazines? (laughs) (laughs) They're plays to what you just said. You got a whole other generation of people that wouldn't even consider buying a magazine. They get their information in a very different way. So I love that you shared that because it is, you know, we all know it's changed and it's radically changing and the arguments against printed books, printed magazines, digital, uh, what's the best? Well, is there a best? No, it's all different. It all has to be treated differently. So, And that's true. Very well said. I love that you brought that up. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I like to call a career aha moment. Tell us the steps you took in that moment of time and how you how that made you a success. Right. So, you know, people ask me how I pivoted from, you know, I worked in ad agencies, I worked in television, and I was in sales. I worked for a company called IDG International Data Group. It was a technology publisher, computer world, info world, network worlds, CIO. It was focused on IT professionals. A multi-billion dollar company and one year uh, I was a rep on Network World and I was working on a business Dell I'm sure you're familiar with Dell Dell was a huge client of mine yeah. multi-million dollar client uh, I was very close with the people on the, the client side I was very uh, I had done very well with it as we were cl- coming towards the end of the year I hadn't heard from them and usually I know what my next year business is going to be at least planned so that I can plan my budgets and hence how I'm going to make a living. Uh, And it was unusual that I hadn't heard from them. So I stayed on top of them, stayed on top of them. Eventually, I got a call from one of the top people at Dell, which was unusual because I'm still on the sales side. I'm not the CEO. I'm not the head of the business. I'm the sales rep. And he he called me up and said, Eric, I want to let you know. I was surprised to get the call. It was right before Christmas break. I want to give you a heads up because we appreciate you and, and the work you've done and we respect you greatly. But IDG will not be getting any Dell business in the next year. And I was shocked now to to lose that. Yeah, to lose that business because it was tens of millions of dollars of business for IDG and single-digit millions for me, which would leave a major hole for the next year, which I would have to fill. And and I said, well, what happened? And uh, one of our sister publications had not given them what they wanted in terms of positioning. And as a result, they were going to punish the entire corporation. So I said, okay, well, is there anything I can do? And he graciously said, no, but I want you to know that. And I know that you're going to make a couple calls and I'm sure this is going to go on for a while, but, uh, you know, we, we like you and we, we want to let you know, and I'm, this is unfortunate, not because of you. I got off the phone and I called the, the, the CEO of IDG, uh, which again is unusual at, at the level I was at. And I, I wanted to let him know that I had just received this phone call from one of the top people at Dell. Uh, he asked point blank, why did he call you? 
meeting me. And, <laughs> and from there, uh, I explained I had a relationship with him and so on and so forth. Right. And he said, okay, we need to get a task force together and see if we can get this business back. So I became a part of that task force. Needless to say, Christmas break was not Christmas break. Right. It was work. Yeah. And the reality is we did not get that business. It did not come back. So I, I had a 2 or $3 million hole. That next year, I went out. At the time, Lucent was a big company. And I pitched a, a deal to Lucent, which turned out to be bigger than my overall Dell deal. So the next year was such a success. And I was able to fill that hole that I became salesperson of the year. And within IDG, my equity grew tremendously. And so we turned a tactical challenge, which was losing Dell, into a strategic opportunity with Lucent and really kind of got the fire going for me and others on the team. Uh, and it showed folks within IDG that not only could I take a major hole, fill it, but also strategically position the company in a way where when we lose something major as Dell, which did eventually come back, we were able to take on something new which kind of set the sail for success for that year and kind of set me off on the rest of my career in management and eventually to where I sit today. Yeah, well, congratulations for that. I, I, I would assume the takeaway there then is to always be prepared and looking forward for not only those huge accounts or those things that might go away, but there's always other opportunity. And I'm kind of guessing here, if Dell had not backed out, Lucent wouldn't have come forward. We wouldn't have been there. We would not have positioned ourselves in the same way. And you can liken that to being on a racetrack. I've always you know, said the saying that it's not what you do in the turn that you just made. It's the turn going forward you have to focus on. So even if you didn't like and you didn't hit the apex, don't worry about it. Focus forward. Because if you think about what you just did, you're going to mix the, miss the next one. So in, in every part of life, when something comes at you unexpected, no matter what it may be, and if, even if it's massive, the reality is what can you do as a result of that negative to create a positive. And it's not an easy thing to do, but it can change you as an individual and your trajectory in life or in business. Ah, very well said. I love it. Great story. Thank you for sharing that uh, very up and down a story for sure. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, bad way to start Christmas holiday. That's for sure. Well, I yep. would assume you've had many proud moments in your career. You've been doing so many different things, but is there one in particular that stands out you could share with us? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned a little bit about Fortune, and I'm very proud of, of what we've done here and to be part of an organization like this. Such a such an iconic publishing organization. The title, I mean, Fortune 500 companies identify themselves with our brand. When I came here, we were uh, a legacy print brand, one that uh, was not identified as a truly platform agnostic powerhouse, one that focuses on uh, the most important people in business, the CEOs, the venture capitalists, the folks who are starting companies from the ground up. And in this day and age, you, you've heard of the Ubers and the Airbnbs of the world, but there are a lot of companies that are not scaling like that, but are critically important. And the reality is CEOs are focused on these individuals. And at Fortune, we are also very focused on them. And what we've done is pivot from being identified as a print magazine to something that you can truly get and content from, whether it's via your social feeds, whether it's via fortune.com, whether it's via your uh, smartphone, whether you come to our events, we've diversified who we are and what the brand means. And to do that in an organization that's over 85 years old, I mentioned Titanic. It is a big it's accomplishment. A big and pivot, it really yeah. is. Yeah. And it comes down to the people who are here. We've hired great people. People believe in what we do. This is a lean forward organization. And I'm very proud to say that we've gone from in just two years, uh, one form of, of publishing to 
uh, truly platform agnostic, uh, which is what you need to be in this day and age. It's not about where you get your content. It's about making sure that the end user being you, being me, anyone who reads it, gets it the way you want to get it. And uh, if you're creating great stuff, people are going to want to read it just like this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I like that plug. You're my friend. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here and talk about your first, and I'll emphasize the word first, first really special car. That car that you finally got that you just went, yes, I've got it. And tell us maybe a story about that vehicle. Sure. So uh, when I was working in an ad agency, I wasn't making very much money. And uh, I had all these sales reps coming in and talking to me and saying, hey, you need to be on this side of the business. One day I got a sales rep who came in from McGraw-Hill another iconic publishing company, and said, we, we have a job and we're really interested in you working here. I went from making about $18,000 a year to, uh, you know, close to three times that. And, uh, you know, in one fell swoop, and I was a young guy, I was in my mid-20s, and uh, as I mentioned, I've always been a Porsche file. I was in more, I lived in New Jersey, I was in Morristown with a friend of mine, and I went to Highmarks Motors in Morristown, and I went into the dealership, and I used to go to these dealerships and look at the cars and you know, whether it was car shows, dealerships, whatever it was, as long as I could be close to these cars. There was a white 1987, going back to 87, you mentioned 930. I also had an 87 930, but this was an 87 Targa, a white Targa with a, a Bordeaux interior, and it had a Carrera, Carrera tail on it and white fuchs, and it was just, you know, the car that I was like, wow, you know, this would be awesome. And at the point in time, it wasn't, you know, I didn't think I could necessarily afford it, nor is it one of those things where necessarily I should go ahead and buy it. But I spoke to John, who was the owner of Highmarks at the time, and uh, he was a Porsche-file, a racer, and he was a real enthusiast. And he said to me, you know what, these cars are always going to be worth what you pay for them. And, you know, right there on the spot, I was with a friend of mine, and I said, you know what, I'm not going to use the word I use, but I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And so I, I plunked down the money and I said, you know, I need a loan. And I, it was like $24,000 and I bought this car. And I met, there was a mechanic in the back named Gene, Gene Kirshner from Auto House, still has a great outfit. And I said to him, I'm buying this car. It's my first Porsche. And he said, I'm going to teach you how to work on it. Because oh, nice. Lord knows I, I had no money to fix it if, God forbid, it worked yeah. to, to break. So not only did I have uh, an 87 Target, I was 24 years old. But I also had met somebody who really got me into the mechanical side of it. And I, I had taken auto mechanics in school and all these different things. But this was a car I was going to work on. And we did, he showed me how to do everything. And he let me use the lifts and everything else. Nice. He was just a wonderful, wonderful guy. And he still has a great business who I would promote every day, any day. But that was really the start for me. And that 87 Targa was with me for a few years. I ended up selling it for more than I had bought it for. And that was kind of the... The leapfrog. They always say 9-11s, you buy, you build equity in, and then you move on to the next. <laughs> yeah, you can uh, do that. And you certainly have if you have an 87 930. Yep. So, I mean, the reality is that was really the beginning for me, and I had some great times in that car. And, you know, that was a point in life where uh, over the summer we would join shares, and I'd drive to the east end of Long Island in it, and I was a 24-year-old guy driving a 911, and you can only imagine what the women thought of that. <laughs> you were living the life. <laughs> living I the life. It. Yeah. it was very memorable. I, I eventually moved into Manhattan. I had the car with me, and uh, I, was, I was big pimping on a small budget. <laughs> yeah, very cool. It was a platform for me in terms of uh, getting to some of the vehicles that I, I, I own now. A very fun, fun story. Sure. Thanks for sharing that. Now, you let's bet. go to the other end, a little sad tale here. You said you've had a lot of great cars. Is there one yep. in particular that got away that you wish you had back in your garage? And let's not 
deal with money here because we're in kind of a sure. bubble right now with collector cars. Sure. But that car that you just wish you had back because it just had some emotional ties to it. Yeah, so uh, my first uh, 993 was an Arena Red C2. I bought it at Town Motors in Englewood. And it was, again, it was a reach for me. It was uh, a decent amount of money. It was a pre-owned, a CPO car. And it was set up just right. It had the 18-inch twists on it. Everything was right. Black interior as opposed to beige, which you usually see on the Arena Red. Great car. I bought it. I had it for a long time, at least eight years. I met my wife in that car. I had some of the best times in terms of driving. Uh, I became a very active, and we'll talk, I'm sure, about it. I became very active on a lot of forums, from Renlist to Ferrari Chat to Six Speed, so on and so forth. And in the early days of that, that was about getting together. And we used to go on drives, and it was truly a community. And I was known, and my license plate was N-I-N-E-9-3. Yeah, and I was known as 993 guy. And to this day, on Renlist and all of those places, that is my... My oh, name handle. on the call, right, that's my <laughs> handle. And that car was the beginning of it for me with a 993, and I've owned a few since then, uh, quite a few since then. But even to this day, my wife says she loves that car, and I probably never should have let it go. Yeah, so. you know, I had a silver 993, a 98, that I purchased yep. and drove for quite a while. And, uh, yeah, that's one of the ones I kind of wish I had back. Of course, they've gone up in price, which is nice, but they were just the great car. And that, that motor, that Vera Ram, that would kick yep. in at around 4,500 RPMs. It just made that wah sound, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. just... The 95, 95s didn't have it. They started that in 96, 282 horsepower, yep. and then boom. And then if you you put a Robinson exhaust on there or anything, which is basically just hacking out the, the OEM, the sound of that motor was awesome. It was the air-cooled sound, which I have a 997 now and some other. I've had 991s and so on and so forth, but you just don't get that. You don't have that same sound. And I have a neighbor who has a, a, a late 80s air-cooled 911, and I hear it in the morning. He goes at 6 in the morning to go get coffee, and he drives by, and that's what I wake up to every day. <laughs> nice. Nice and alarm I, clock. I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. So <laughs> I wouldn't mind waking up to that myself. Now let's talk about what's going on now and the near future. What are you working on uh, that really has you excited and fired up? Uh, I've, I, I'm very busy, as you can imagine. I travel a lot, so I don't have as much time with the cars, and I still have I have kids who you know are very involved with sports. But that being said, the, the car side of me is, is a, as I mentioned, part of my DNA. So I've been buying and, and getting in and out of a number of cars. I recently picked up a, I, if you remember the Mercedes back in the day, the Hammer, yeah. which, uh, yeah. right, so I picked up uh, an, an E55, a 99 E55 with 15,000 miles on it. This Ooh. car is a show car. Oh, my gosh. I had that. I recently actually sold it to a collector. Um, you mentioned the bubble, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There may be a bubble in those, too, because I had a very short period of time, and I showed it, and it was award-winning, and uh, even the folks at Mercedes-Benz were comment commenting on how it belongs in their museum. But cool. So I did that, and I've, uh, you know, I've dabbled a lot in, in air-cooled 911s because I still know where to find them and uh i love having them and then obviously you mentioned again you know people come and offer a lot of money so sometimes they go i recently picked up an audi r8 which is a car i've always loved not in the porsche uh area but i, I liken it to to sim being similar because you have to be passionate in order to appreciate that car hand-built aluminum just a remarkable machine and i still have a 911 also, I would not be without that. So <laughs> Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Eric. It's kind of a funny question. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Well, I think I've kind of answered that. But <laughs> yeah, the reality is I, I think of 
the Porsche 911 just because of what it represents, the fact that it's been such an icon. And who thought that a rear-engine car like that would go and continue to be designed the way it is now for over 60, 50 years? Well, 60, they just celebrated. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's remarkable, right? I yeah. mean, to have a vehicle like that, and the dynamics are remarkable, and, and just driving them. I've truly gotten individuals uh, excited about cars who previously weren't because of the 911, and I love that because it's a performance car. It's practical. It's iconic. The design is remarkable, and it's also built to last and very reliable, and I think all of those traits... I think are important in an individual, you know, in an individual as well, you, you know, in the way design is interesting, but I mean, that's back to health and the way you keep yourself, um, and you, you know, built to last. It's truly, you know, a German specimen of perfection in terms of being tight, you know, the engineering, everything about it, um, Truly, it, it, it's, it's marvelous. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I had my 500th show here at Cars, yeah, and I had Tommy Kendall on, and I just watched a TV show. He was one of the people in Porsche 911, the icon of an evolution, and he was on the show with Danny Sullivan and one of my other past guests, Patrick Long. And when we were doing our pre-show chat, I asked him, I said, well, what do you think of the new 911? He goes, you know, I've driven lots of 911s, but they just keep getting better and better. I mean, they just keep yep. raising the bar. So, yep. Okay. Well, yep. You're definitely a 911. I think you answered that one right. <laughs> so, Eric, Eric, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior? It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's the fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers, and they are crafted to fit like a custom suit, with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements, and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life. Car covers, front end masks, dash covers, seat covers, floor mats, and much, much more. Covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle. Covercraft is the right choice. I use them on all my vehicles, and your special vehicles will love them too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. And you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, CARSYEAH. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Eric, we're back and we're entering the last lap. You're a guy that likes to get on the track. You know what that means. The white flag's out, and it's time to put our foot into it. And I'm going to ask you a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Sure. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Don't get emotional. 
focus on <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing because I'm like talking to one of the most emotional guys ever. I so. know, <laughs> I know, but when it comes to buying cars, yeah. you know, you, you can't because at the end of the day, focus on how you fear about a car in six months. How about a personal habit? Is there one in particular that you could share with us that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Focus on being effective. At the end of the day, uh, it's important that no matter what you do, you want to know that you're doing the best that you can do. Now, about a resource, there's awful lot of great resources out there. What is one in particular you could share with our listeners you think they would enjoy? My resources are, are varied, so it depends on what it is you're doing. The forums have always been a great resource. Candidly, over the years, they've gotten somewhat diluted. Yeah, I would say fortune, fortune. of course, yeah, of course at the end yeah. of the day. But it, the, the reality of that is Time Inc. owns a lot of brands. So fortune's great if you're trying to lean forward and accelerate yourself in business and get the information for that. But if you love to travel, there's travel and leisure. If you love food and wine, we own food and wine. If you want to know about news and what's happening, we have time. If you want to understand personal finance, you have money. So there's a lot of different ways to, to figure out where to get information. Obviously, uh, you know, our friends at Google do a great job from a uh, search engine standpoint, but at the end of the day, look at the quality of what you read and who you're reading it from because that's critically important. Um, and, uh, yep, so, I mean, for automotive, the forums, and you want to get socially involved so you can ask other people questions, so whether it's an, an Audi, you go on the, uh, you know, the R8 forums or Porsche for Renlist or Ferrari, Ferrari chat or whatever it may be, go contextually where you feel you're going to get the smartest people who understand what it is that you're asking. So Mercedes, go to make sure you're at the Mercedes forum, so on and so forth, and search, search out as many people as you can for those answers. How about a book? There's a lot of great books out there, but is there one in particular you've maybe read recently you think the Cars Yacht listeners would really enjoy reading as well? Sure. I mean, you, know, you hear I'm a business person, so I, I focus a lot on building my equity in, in terms of intellectual capital. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Oh, yeah. Stephen Covey. Yeah. You know it. So, you know that, and you know it firsthand. So, I mean, at the end of the day, whether you're looking in business or whether you're trying to be effective in life, read the book, dig into it, and it becomes this uh, opportunity for you to, to have an epiphany as to whether you're doing what you should be doing or not doing and how you could be more effective at doing the things that you want to be more effective yeah, at. Yeah, that is a book that I've had on my shelf forever. I've bought copies for my kids as they've grown up. And uh, my favorite is, I think it's Habit 5's uh, Listen First to Understand, Then Speak to Be Understood. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but... Uh, <laughs> close enough. Close enough. Excellent book. I love it. Well, listeners, you can find all these great resources Eric's been so kind to share on his very own show notes page at carsyad.com slash Eric. Danetz, and Eric's last name is spelled D-A-N-E-T-Z. There's also a great place on the Cars Yacht website called Guest Recommended Books, where this book and the past 509 guests here on Cars Yacht Books will be listed for quick, easy links to buy. All right, Eric, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question for a car guy like you can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, I'll say collector car, not everyday driver, but a collector car, but money's no object. I'll buy you whatever car you'd like. And yeah, I'll include a singer in there if that's the one you want. <laughs> what would that vehicle be and more importantly, why? Yeah, it would either be a singer or it would be an RS from the 70s. 73? Probably a 73 RS. Yeah. Or if I could get uh, Rob to build me the ultimate singer. Yeah. Uh, depending on the practical nature of that, but the singer would be more drivable probably. But at the end of the day, those are the two for me. Yeah, well, okay, well, listen, I've had, uh, like I said, 509 guests before you, and I've never let anybody get away with two answers to that question. So just today, <laughs> just today, if you had to decide today, which yep. one would it be? 
I'd go with the RF. Yeah, you know, it's I have a good buddy who's a listener. I'll give a shout out to Bill. Uh, he bought one right a few years back, and then he uh, had it restored and ended up on the lawn at Pebble Beach. He got a trophy for it, and he's been nice yeah. enough to give me a ride. I've driven those cars. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they're yep. just they're the holy grail of old Porsches yep. for sure, the old Long Hood 911s. Um yep. I think you made a right choice. So, which color combo so that I know which which one to ship to you? So, I, <laughs> I've always been a huge fan of blue. That's okay. a very rare thing, but uh my friend has a black red combo. Oh, that's rare too. Uh, which is which is rare too. Blue, you know, white and blue uh is gorgeous. But uh, if anything with blue in it for me is is typically the way I would go. Very cool. Yeah, I could see one of those even in the old Gulf blue, which would be pretty mm-hmm. cool with the orange. But, uh, oh, well, I think you picked the right car today. Excellent choice. <laughs> Eric, you've taken me on an awesome ride. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yow listeners and with me. Could you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you head off down the, and I know you're going to take the car to the track, so I'll say down the racetrack in that 73 Carrera RS. You got it. So, I mean, uh, with all of this, we talk about automotive and all the toys and, and business and success. In my tenure in life, I've really learned to focus on life. So build a good business, one that lets you enjoy, but make sure that your life comes first. Don't let that get out of the way because, uh, it's easy to get caught up in success and the ascent, but don't forget where you came from, who helped you along the way, and why you worked so hard in the first place. It's about family, and then that's the ultimate success. When you have family and you're proud of your family and you can look back, and, and you know that's really what it's all about. Very well said. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and what you're doing? Uh, well, go to fortune.com, money.com. There you go. You can always find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, there's a lot of different places you can reach out. You know, pleasure to talk to different people. So Absolutely. Pleasure talking to you. Well, thank you. It's been fun. <laughs> I know I've been chasing you for a long time since we last met, and I, I appreciate you're such a busy guy. I really appreciate you taking the time out today to talk with me and to talk with the listeners out there at Cars Yeah. Listeners, again, you can find links to everything Eric shared with us on his own show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type Eric, E-R-I-C, in the search bar, and his page will pop right up. Eric, thanks again for being so generous with your time and your expertise and for sharing all your driving and fun experiences with me and with the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. been a pleasure, Mark. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.